0: Hello, thank you so much for watching or listening to the podcast. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Witalis, and I want to thank you all for uh, being a part of the show here. And you know, a lot to discuss, lots to go over. Obviously, the the Packers season did not end the way um, none of us wanted it to end, and that's obviously unfortunate. Um, but you know, that's just the way it is. So I will be talking some Packers and 49ers and talk about where the Packers go from here as they have a lot of difficult decisions to make and I'm going to talk about what some of those are. Um, There are some NFL coaching positions filling up. Um, The Bears made uh, their hire today, the defensive coordinator for the Colts. uh, He got that job. Nathaniel Hackett gets the Denver Broncos job and kind of going to give my thought a little bit about uh nathaniel hackett going to denver and my feelings on on that and uh mostly gonna you know it's gonna i so i was going to um and i'm still going to talk a little bit about jordan love and if rogers does in fact leave green bay um kind of give my my thoughts there and where the packers go in the quarterback position from there but. One of the comparisons I was going to use today ended up opening his mouth and being a bigger idiot than he normally is. I think he outdoes outdoes himself every time he opens his mouth, and I'm going to get into that momentarily. I know you see something new here in the top corner of the screen, Talking Sports with Evan Logo. That is thanks to Dakota Mitchell. He designed the logo for me. And I have a few other things I can throw up there too that I enjoy that he made. You have this design here that one here and then you have the state with the microphone in it so i greatly appreciative to dakota for making the talking sports with evan logo and he does have a website where he also sells shirts which if you watch last week's show you will you see the link but this is it right here um uh his shirts you go to this site and you can follow him on twitter obviously not this shirt this is a iron jack shirt but the shirt I was wearing in last week's show or, or Saturday's show, the twelve plus seventeen equals six. That's where you could get that uh, that shirt. But before I go, you know, into the depth of the Packers and 49ers, I kind of want to start off with. Um, kind of want to start off with a comment that former 49er quarterback. Uh, Jeff Garcia made in reference to Mina Kimes. Uh, You know, Mina Kimes is an extremely talented, extremely intelligent, extremely entertaining uh, um, journalist with ESPN. She has her own podcast. She She steps in on multiple shows across all the ESPN platforms, and she knows a lot about sports and a lot about football, more so than me. I'm willing to admit that. And she probably knows a lot more than a lot of people too who play the game. Jeff Garcia came out today and commented that, because she commented she jokingly commented that <coughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy who doesn't really do anything on the group project, but still gets an A. Which in reality, that's kind of what Jimmy Garoppolo's bad. You know, he didn't do anything special whatsoever on Saturday. He didn't do anything special whatsoever, really, against Dallas. He almost threw the game away, but yet the 49ers are here still alive. And she's not wrong. She really not. And she made it, you know, made that joke. And Jeff Garcia basically, Jeff Garcia did say that because she's a woman she shouldn't have a platform to talk football because she's never played the game, so she doesn't understand it. And to me, that is a ludicrous uh, comment. Is, she, or is he saying that if you've never played a sport, you shouldn't talk about it? So there's a lot of male journalists, male hosts, Stephen A. Smith, for example, um, who never played professional basketball or football, never played quarterback, you know, does that mean that they shouldn't discuss it or does he specifically mean women shouldn't discuss it? Because I have a problem with that because there is a lot of very talented women who cover sports, who talk about sports, who write about sports, who podcast about sports, who video live stream about sports, who do play-by-play, color commentary, um, you name it, they do. Um, and like I said, they're a, they know a hell of a lot more than me and they're a hell of a lot more talented than me. Um. So I have a problem with that comment from Jeff Garcia. Um Jeff Garcia came across as a sexist with that comment. And it was extremely unnecessary. And the people that came to Mina's defense, great job because there's no place for Jeff Garcia whining and complaining about how she shouldn't have a platform or say anything about sports because she didn't play. Again, that's ludicrous. You can understand the game of football you can understand the game of baseball. You can understand the sport of basketball with never have played the game. You can It's it, It's possible. And she is one of many examples out there. Um, there's a lot of people that have played the game of football and baseball and basketball that aren't very good at analyzing it. Alex Rodriguez is an example of that. He is not. I, I don't like Alex Rodriguez on su- su- Sunday Night Baseball. And now they're going to give uh, Alex Rodriguez his own little Manning cast um, because ESPN wants to basically hit that well one too many times. Um, it works with Peyton Manning, it works with Eli Manning. It's not going to work with every freaking broadcast they do to do their own a different variation of the Manning cast. It's just not going to work. And baseball is not really a sport that it should it's going to work in. At the end of the day, it's not going to work. And Again, just because you play the sport doesn't mean you're good at analyzing it. Obviously, Jeff Garcia is an example of that with his asinine comments today. So that's where I'm going to end with this little rant here is that just because you are female or just because you didn't play a sport doesn't mean you don't know what what you're talking about. Um, Go to Game On Wisconsin. Go to Cheesehead TV. uh, Maggie... Uh, Looney, she's one that's extremely talented, uh, Jen Mac, uh, just to name a couple, they do great work on their platforms. You know, I check their stuff out, uh, quite, quite often. Um, Lily Zhao, who's Fox Sports, uh, Fox 6 sports reporter. She's great at what she does. A lot of great, uh, women who cover the Packers for channel 12, channel 11, whatever, uh, They have up in the Green Bay area for TV, and they do a great job. And then Bailey uh, Burmeister, who is now in Cleveland, used to cover the Packers. Again, great at what she does. So Jeff Garcia needs to, you know, kind of think more before he speaks. And sometimes, you know, shouldn't open your mouth because the debate if you are a moron or not – ends sometimes when you open your mouth and Jeff Gar- the debate if Jeff Garcia is a moron or not ended as soon as he opened his mouth. So gonna leave it at that. So moving on Packers and 49ers played on Sunday, a Saturday. And I guess I should first say this. Um <laughs> I was as wrong as wrong could be um, for the divisional round. The only game I got correct on my predictions was the Rams and the Buccaneers. I was 13 seconds away from being right with Buffalo, but apparently Buffalo can't, um, can't finish a game with 13 seconds to go. So, again, I was almost right. But, you know, as you know, but... Buffalo had other plans and decided to kind of um ruin things a little bit. So um so yeah. Um so uh <laughs> so yeah. So I I was as wrong as wrong could be when it comes to making my predictions with the uh with this uh <laughs> division around. So I you know the expression is you shouldn't quit your day job. I am a perfect example of you shouldn't quit your day job. Um, some people are good at making their predictions, other people like me, horrible. So just just gonna leave it at that. So I have a you know legal pad here, um, jotted down a bunch of notes um on kind of what I wanted to discuss in regards to the Packers and the 49ers. The Packers fell to the 49ers. Final score 13 to 10. And I kind of made a list of who's to blame for the game. Um made a list of who is to blame for the uh for the Packers loss. And Tim, great question. Um going to get to the Bengals next. Um and gonna get to the N- the AFC and NFC the championship games next. So, stay tuned for that. But right now, um, so why did the Packers lose to the 49ers? Because I've seen a lot of people just saying that Aaron Rodgers is a big choke artist. He all he does is choke. He's awful in the playoffs, which is a little extreme because he's been more good than he's been bad in the playoffs. He just had a a few bad games, unfortunately, two in a row, um, in the NFC Championship game last year, and it's really a bad fourth quarter really Um, wasn't a bad game It was a bad fourth quarter especially late in the game and then with the 49ers it was bad game overall so I think we're being a little overreactionary to Aaron Rodgers I think some of us is still mad and upset over what happened during the offseason with him uh, seemingly trying to force his way out of Green Bay did did he actually try to I don't I don't know Um, I don't know the full story I don't think we ever will um and then i think some people with his comments he's made on pat mcafee throughout the year um a lot of it i don't agree with i don't i don't agree with his vaccination stance i don't agree with his uh right his uh propaganda anti-vaccine type propaganda he's spoken and i'm not saying aaron rogers is anti-vaccine but that's how it's coming across and he has a big platform um People cling to what he says. So when you're in the public eye like him, maybe you should be a little bit more cautious of how you say things. The big thing he's trying to say, I'm not trying to speak for Aaron Rodgers, but the big thing he's trying to say is take in every piece of information you can possibly take in and then come to your conclusion. But that's not how he's saying it. And he's coming across as, I guess, a Looney Tune. Um, in some regards I don't give him any I don't really give him any um care for what he has to say I I don't I don't uh I watch Aaron Rodgers the football player I don't watch Aaron Rodgers the um guest of uh Pat McAfee I watch I I watch him to play football and I'm not saying he shouldn't speak his mind I'm not saying he shouldn't say what he wants to say what I'm saying is is I choose not to engage in his other platforms that he has out there that he does. The platform I choose to engage in is him on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings playing football. Great quarterback, has done great things for Green Bay, both on and off the field. Great things for the state of California, but I don't really care what, you know, I don't really care about the other stuff um so anyways back to my main point um who is to say uh, who's to blame for the game and my, my key thing my first uh people to blame is the special teams unit and i know it's easy to say that the special teams has been bad all season long so how can you blame the special teams because you expect them to be bad well yeah you can still blame the special teams um the kickoff return unit allowed two returns for 59 yards to uh to Samuel um a long of 45 Debo Samuel he had a long of 45 put the ball from to the uh, at at midfield so the 49ers offense gets the ball at the 50 rather than the 25 or the the 30 and the 49ers march about 30 yards and kick a field goal to make it 7 to 3 If the coverage team does their job, if Mason Crosby kicks it out of the end zone and they get the ball to 25 to 30-yard line range instead of the 50, the 49, and they gain 30 yards, they're likely punting instead of kicking a field goal, or they're prying a really long field goal, which I don't think a near 40-year-old kicker could make. So they made Robbie Gould's job a lot easier. They made the offense's job a lot easier on a kick return to the 50. Um... Block field goal. Right before halftime, Packers get a big play from Aaron Jones, which I'll touch on that Aaron Jones play in a moment. They get a big play from Aaron Jones, 75 yards catch and run. Um, The next play, Rodgers gets sacked. And unfortunately, they didn't have a timeout left, so they had to spike it because timeout management could have been better in this game. Um, They line up for a field goal. They kick it, and it's no good. It gets blocked. And if you look back to week three when the Packers played the 49ers, if you look back to week three, um in week three, the game winning field goal, they came very close to blocking it off the right side. Um, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler Lancaster is over on that side. He was a little a little back and He was basically standing square to the line of scrimmage, giving a rusher a free lane pretty much inside um, on the kick. This time in the NFC Divisional Round, Tyler Lancaster's playing the left side. Lined up identical to how he lined up in week three. Gave up the inside lane, didn't actually block anybody. He may kind of made a half attempt at the outside guy. But the rule of thumb when you're playing the, the line, either offensive line, either kickoff, um, either field goal, uh, block, uh, kick, punt. The rule of thumb is you block inside first. Protect the inside because that is the quickest way to get to the kicker. They, have, they are the one that is going to be most likely to disrupt the kick. So, John Kuhn, if you f- find him on Twitter, he tweeted out a picture of the formation. And you see Tyler Lancaster square to the line of scrimmage. And there's a gap between him and the next guy next to him. He's giving the uh, Jimmy Ward a free lane to rush and block the kick. If that kick is made, if that kick is not blocked, and it's good. We're talking about ten nothing going into halftime, and even if San Francisco gets that p- big return in a field goal, it's ten to three right there. The Packers ended up kicking another field goal later in the game to make it thirteen to three. It would have made it thir- uh, would have been thirteen to three at that point. Um, you had a block punt that. The 49ers, the 49ers scouted Green Bay really well on special teams. Um, they tend to play more starters, obviously, on their special teams unit. And Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan, obviously, and their special teams coach, obviously saw stuff on film that the Packers do to take advantage of it. As I explained, Tyler Lancaster playing the last man on the line of scrimmage on the field goal that got blocked. The long snapper... They lined a a 300-pound-plus uh, defensive tackle, nose tackle, right over the long snapper and had him rush right up the middle because the personal protector, Henry Black, he proceeded to leave right away. And I'm guessing that's what Shanahan saw, that Henry Black, as soon as the ball is snapped, he takes off because he's trying to get downfield to try to make a tackle. So if you get pressure on the long snapper, you can drive him back into the punter, get the hand up, block it, It fell right into a hand of another 49er and ran right in for a touchdown. So tip your hat to Kyle Shanahan and the special teams coach for the 49ers because they did their job. They did their homework, and they exploited the Packers uh, very lackluster – this season, special teams. They exploited it. There's no other way to put it. Um, and then, so now it's 10 to, 7, uh, 10, to 10 after that. Um, if you take away the 49 er getting the ball at midfield um, and they have to punt, now you're looking at 10 to 7 or 13 to 7. And then if you take away, um, if you make that field goal, again, it's 13-7 to seven if you have that block punt. Special teams of the Packers, no favors. And then the final punt that led to the 49ers scoring, there was a false start. So that's five less yards the ball went. And the 49ers didn't have as much room to go. And I'm sure they were in the the Packers' head with the punt after the block. So, I'm sure the punter didn't get that great of a punt off. So, that is why I blame special teams. They had a season worth of blunders. A whole season worth of blunders in just this one game. Big return. Blocked field goal. Blocked punt. And final score 13-10. to So, that is why if I had to do a bar graph of blame... I would put about 60% of the blame on special teams, 60 to 70%. The offense, although it didn't play good, it didn't. If special teams didn't screw it up, even with how bad Aaron played after that opening drive, even with how bad the offense played overall, even with how bad the offensive line was in that game, the Packers still win the game. If special teams does their job. It's that simple. It, it it really is. It's that simple. If special teams does their job, the Packers win, even with the way the offense played. So the offense, I would say they get about 30, you know, 30 to 40 percent of the blame. They had 67 yards on 20 carries. And after the kickoff return, after the 49ers got on the board. To make it seven to three, um, AJ Dillon got hurt. And I think that was a huge loss. The Packers then, after that kickoff, were able to drive it to about the five, uh, what, the five or ten yard line. And that was a situation we saw in the opening drive. They put AJ Dillon in and he drove it down their throats and into the end zone. They obviously missed AJ Dillon. Um the Packers had a t- uh, between Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones 18 catches on 21 targets. There were six targets for one catch for everybody not named Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. This Packer offense, which is the Kyle Shanahan, uh, basically it's from the, the Mike Shanahan tree. If you really want to get, uh, if you really want to dissect it, it's a variation of the Mike Shanahan offense. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, um, Matt Lafleur—they all want, run their own kind of variation with it. They were all in Washington together. Uh, in a, uh, Kyle Shanahan and Lafleur were in Atlanta together, but it's all—it's penit- all—it's based. Everything is built off the run and quick passes. Get the ball out. Short passes across the middle attack the middle, um. just get the ball to the open man, let the open man make a play. That's what the offense is kind of centered around. In this game, Aaron Rodgers went back to old habits. Back in 2018, yeah, 2018, Rodgers would, I would say, freelance a lot. He would lock in on Devontae. Look to make the big play down the field rather than just taking what the defense is giving him. Get the ball out. Let let Aaron Jones, let Lazard, let Randall Cobb, let Dylan, let Degara, let those guys catch it and do something. He was very focused, laser-eyed on Devontae only. He was not playing on schedule. And I know he had some pressure, a lot of pressure early on especially kind of knocked him off his spot a little bit, probably rattled him. Um, And he's thinking he has to move around more in the pocket. And he's looking to make that big play. Because in reality, if the Packers could make a big play and score another touchdown, the 49ers aren't winning. The the 49ers were literally doing nothing offensively to win this game. They just weren't. Um, But he was too laser-focused, too locked in, On forcing things to Devontae. And the last offensive play of the game for Green Bay is perfect um, evidence of this. You had Alan Lazard breaks open, wide open across the middle. You hit Lazard there. He possibly goes for six. If not six, you're in great field goal range. And you can work on trying to kill the clock and run this clock out. EQ was starting to get separation from his guy. And if Rodgers could put the ball there on EQ, if it doesn't go for a touchdown, it's a big gain. But even before the ball was snapped, he knew where he was going with that ball no matter what San Francisco did. He was locked in on DeVante. DeVante is doing the deep post across the middle. That's where he's going with the ball no matter what the safety does. You know, the hope is that safety either comes down um, to cover Lazard or goes to cover EQ, but in that situation, they're not leaving Devontae one-on-one no matter what. They're leaving two men on Devontae no matter what. And the Packers weren't prepared for that. Or I should say Aaron Rodgers wasn't prepared for that. The protection was good. I know the protection wasn't good most of the game, But the protection was good. He didn't trust the protection. He didn't trust his other targets. He had on the third down play, I mean the second down play on that series, Degara wide open in the middle. Instead, he tried to force it to Cobb. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers' best day. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers' best fourth quarter. Because if they score a touchdown... On one of their final two drives, or even one more touchdown during the rest of the game, they win. And people always want to point the finger to the play calling. The play calling wasn't good. The play calling was bad. It wasn't that the play calling was bad. And I love Aaron Rodgers, the football player, but Aaron Rodgers, the football player, did not play well enough in this game. And he didn't play within the offense. Again, if he plays within the offense, he's going to get other guys involved underneath, which is going to open up Devontae Adams down the field. And, yeah, that play call was disappointing. and uh, wasn't disappointing because the play call itself was disappointed because he was looking for Adams no matter what. Because, again, Lazard was wide open in the middle. EQ was wide open doing the post call, uh, post corner. And Degara got open, I think, on that play as well. But he was locked in. If Rodgers, and it also goes back to the Saints game early on in in week one, where he was trying to play what I call hero ball. Take what the defense gives you, and it's going to open things up up top because then the defense is going to start coming closer to the line of scrimmage to try to take away the underneath stuff. And Lazard or Adams is going to break open, and you're going to hit him. We saw it in the Los Angeles Rams game in the divisional round last year. The clinching touchdown to Lazard to deep down the field to Lazard, that winning touchdown path ended up being the, you know, giving the Packers enough room um, in this final score to win that game. The Rams are playing for stuff short because the Packers are killing them with their short dig routes, crossing routes, things like that that they were able to hit Lazard on a deep bomb for a touchdown. He got behind the coverage because they kind of forced San Francisco, I mean, forced the Rams to have to play closer to the line of scrimmage. The Packers never, and Aaron Rodgers never allowed, after that opening drive and that second drive before the fumble, which I'll get to in a minute, they never allowed, um, they never allowed for the San Francisco's defense to have to play the short stuff. They were just shat, bracketing, shadowing, co- double covering Devontae because they knew Rodgers wasn't going to go anywhere else. And the 49ers dominated up front too. You know, I don't blame I think I think Matt LaFleur gets some blame too. And I like Matt LaFleur. I think he's a great football mind. I think he's a great leader of men. But the combination of not seriously addressing special teams falls on him. He gave the job to an underqualified coach, the assistant coach for the coach they just fired a year ago. That's who he hired. And the other issue I have is you, ha- you didn't have David Bakhtiari all year. And there's a great article at Cheesehead TV that there's an interview with Bakhtiari where he kind of explained what was going on with his knee. Apparently, his knee kept collecting fluid. Structurally, the knee was fine, but it kept collecting fluid. And great article again. Go to CheeseheadTV.com and check out the article. But the fact that you you don't go with what you've done all year long. And I get you got Meyers back from injury. So I'm fine with Josh Meyers going in at center. He could have played better, but fine. But Yash Najman has played very good at left tackle the whole season long. In the eight games that he started, including week three against San Francisco, his first career start, I will admit I was kind of shocked that Yash Nyman got the start, and I thought Rogers better start running for his life now. He gave up one bad pressure on Bosa, and he shut him down the rest of the year. The rest of the game, I mean. I don't understand why you put Billy Turner at left tackle. And Billy Turner, solid right tackle. He had a very good season before his injury against the Bears at the right tackle position. Put Billy Turner at right tackle, to start the game, or start Dennis Kelly at right tackle, whatever, but Yash Nyman should have been at the left tackle position to start that game. And if he struggles, then you make the switch. But instead, you keep Yash Nyman, who had been one of your top linemen this season, on the bench because he wanted to go with the more experienced hand who's coming back off a knee injury at left tackle. To me, that was overcoaching. And and that's the issue. That's the thing that LaFleur does sometimes. LaFleur overthinks things. He overcoaches. He wanted to go with his five best offensive linemen for the game instead of the best unit. So, yeah, Billy Turner might be a better offensive lineman than Yash Nyman, but Yash Nyman is a better left tackle than Billy Turner. And we saw in the NFC Championship game last year with B- Billy, Billy Turner at left tackle – against a tough, aggressive front the Tampa Bay has, and it was not good. It just was not good. He did not play well at all. So we're going to try that again and see if it works better this time against a pretty good San Francisco front. Go with the guy that's worked. Before the Lions game, and then after Bakhtiari left, you went with Yash Naiman the entire game, entire season, in that spot. And he had done an outstanding job. And the offensive line, of all positions in football, the offensive line is one spot you want to leave alone. And I'm sure his offensive coordinator is like, yeah, he can handle it. Let's do it. I got you. Yeah, that sounds good. But the offensive line, you want to leave alone. I know they had to have a lot of moving parts um, all season long at various spots on the line. But the unit they had was working. So don't overcoach it and just go with what's working. That, that that's where I put the blame on the floor. The 49ers dominated up front. And yeah, the 49ers played solid on defense and they've been solid on defense all year. Pretty much the past, you know, other than last year where they had a ton of injuries, the past three, four years, they've been really solid on defense. And I kind of already um Went into Rodgers and went into Lafleur And then Aaron Jones. And I love Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones is a great football player. I think he's an even better person based off what he presents to us um, with the Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination for Green Bay. But I would like to know the why. So Roger, and it wasn't the best throw, but it was Rogers' move, and it was the best throw Rogers could make. To me, it was a hell of a throw. He's rolling out to his right. He's throwing off his back foot, and he's heaving it downfield to somebody that he saw late getting open. And he made the best throw he could make, and Jones had to come back for the ball. But he turns upfield, starts running, and he stops and starts to cut inside before trying to cut back outside. And that little hesitation there allowed the 49er defender to be able to, who had an angle, but to be able to close that gap even quicker. But if Aaron Jones just just runs, run a straight line as fast as you can, he's either going to be tackled around the 10-5 to 5 yard line, in that range in my opinion, or he gets forced out of bounds just short of the goal line. That is what likely happens, and I will take out-of-bounds, just short of the goal line, or tackle it at the 5 any day of the week. Because him, that little hesitation he did, allowing the defenders to get him, the Packers now have to use their last time out and try to get the playoff, and then Bosa gets a strip sack on the very next play. Packers recover, they have to spike it. And that sack made them lose some yards, have to spike it, and then the kick gets blocked like they talked about. Um, So I I would like to ask Aaron Jones, why did you not just run? I, I don't get that. And the one blame I put on the defense, and the defense for the Packers played outstanding. They were aggressive, physical. They attacked the football, got pressure on Garoppolo, made his life a living hell. But that final drive, the fort—you knew the 49ers were going to run the football no matter what. But they, the third and eight—I want to say it's third and seven or third and eight—right before the final field goal, the 49ers line up. The Packers put their pass game, passing game defense out there, pass coverage defense out there, so smaller guys. Shanahan calls timeout. Shanahan looked things over. He had a pass play called, so yeah, I guess it made sense at the time. But he called timeout. Um, if when Shanahan called timeout, Barry should have put the you know put some bigger bodies in there because it's likely Shanahan's running now. So they line up and they run Debo Samuel. And there is a, a play in the 2019 NFC Championship game. I think it was 7-0 at the time. I think it was third down. And they run a trap play. And Morissette gets the good ball, runs the trap. The 49ers run it perfectly. He's off to the races for a touchdown. In this game, they run the trap to Debra Samuel. Rashawn Gary has his pass rushing hat on. He, he's not worried about the run because it's third down and seven. Why the hell are they going to run the ball here? So he puts his pass rushing hat on. He, he crashes outside hard on a pass rush angle. The left guard or left tackle on the on the uh, 49ers pulls. Rashawn Gary crashes down inside, turns his shoulders from the line of scrimmage. So his shoulders are turned. So now he has to make an awkward move to try to get the ball carrier. So he has to reach for him because his body positions off. Couldn't do it. The polling lineman kicks out even more so on Rashawn Gary as he's trying to get back into the play of things. He gets kicked out. George Kiddo crashes down on Campbell to seal off that side. And Alexander and Stokes go to the same gap they go to the same area they both jump outside well stokes uh, i should say alexander squared up outside and then samuel cut it back inside so alexander tried throwing that shoulder into him it didn't work and stokes jumps basically to the exact same gap that alexander is if stokes takes the inside alexander takes the outside you've now cut off debo samuel and you can try to make a tackle there. Stokes gets hits him, slows him down enough, grab, wraps him up, grabs him, allows his teammates to get there and bring him down instead. They jump to the same area, leaving a lane, and they get the first down. They're able to run out the clock, kick the game winning field goal, game over. So that's the one situation where I kind of point at the defense. So less than one percent on the defense. So where do the Packers go from here? Packers are currently forty million, about forty-eight million dollars over the salary cap right now, and that's before making any moves. That's having your free agents. Um, they, you know, those their contracts coming off the books. They're at forty-eight million over the cap, it's some, somewhere around that number. They're nearly fifty million over the cap. So, where do they go from here? So, I'll go more in detail next week on different things they can try to do um, to try to get under the cap, to try to make moves, ways they can try to keep Aaron Rodgers and Devontae, and also some of your key pieces of your defense like Douglas and Campbell. I'll go more in detail next week on that, but the Packers have a lot of tough decisions to make. and And Matt LaFleur did say that he is... The Packers are not rebuilding, and obviously they want Aaron Rodgers back. And me personally, I would love Aaron Rodgers coming back. Aaron Rodgers gives the Packers the best shot of making the playoffs next year and the following year, in my opinion. And I'm not saying that because I don't think Jordan Love is never going to be a competent starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he has the tools to be a competent starting quarterback in the NFL because look at some of the guys playing quarterback in the NFL right now. He definitely can play in the NFL. He's shown that he can play in the NFL. He was just not ready this season. Um, but I would love Rodgers back. But obviously they're going to have to come up with some kind of contract extension with Aaron Rodgers. Um, they're gonna have to restructure Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark. You're gonna have to release Cedarius um, Smith and likely Preston Smith. Maybe bring Preston Smith back on a smaller contract. Adrian Amos might need to be cut or re re uh, extended or renegotiated. Billy Turner's likely gone. Which at this point, I like Billy Turner, but I think you can let him go because if Bakhtiari can come back healthy. You have him at left tackle, and I don't see any reason at all why Yosh Naiman cannot play right tackle in the NFL. I don't really see a reason why he can't. So there's things they can do to try to maneuver with the salary cap to get under it, but it's going to be some tough decisions to make. Um, and what do you do with Devante? I think the Packers shown they play. You know they're seven and zero without Devante during the Matt Lafleur era. And the biggest reason why there's 7-0 and without Devontae in the Matt LaFleur era, because it forces Aaron Rodgers to have to trust his other targets because he doesn't have Devontae to go to. So he's actually playing within the offense. If Aaron Rodgers could play within the offense with Devontae on the field, the offense could be even more dangerous. But he's so locked in sometimes to try to get the ball to Devontae because he knows he can trust him. But that's besides the point, though. So, that's not the point I'm trying to make right now, I should say, anyways. So I'll go more in depth next week on ways the Packers can try to bring guys back and maneuver the salary cap situation. It takes a it's I thought I was gonna be ready to do it today, but there's just a lot to look at, maneuver around, think about that I just didn't have the time to put the act you know, to put the effort that I felt Was necessary for this show so that that'll be one of the main topics next week how do the packers get out of this um this situation so jordan love and i'm gonna jump get to my my thought on jordan love so here here's my thought on jordan love and i i know the people that have the people that have already made their mind up on jordan love that already have already made their minds up on jordan love um i'm seeing two extremes I'm seeing the extreme that Jordan Love is awful. He sucks. He's the worst quarterback ever. He's never going to pan out. The Packers were stupid to even think about drafting him, let alone actually drafting him. And it was a huge mistake. And I've seen that Jordan Love's the future. He's the next man up. He's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. At the end of the day, we just don't know. We just we truly don't know. And if you if you're sitting here right now, saying that Jordan Love is an awful quarterback and he's never going to be an NFL starter, you've already made up your mind, but you don't know that. We don't know what Jordan Love is going to be right now. But the thing I think what a lot of people are looking at is that Jordan Love is not going to be another Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, which he doesn't have to be. So I kind of went on a rant to start the show um, because the, the the last team besides Green Bay that went back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks was the San Francisco 49ers. They went from Joe Montana to Steve Young. So after Steve Young was done playing, there was the quarterback I mentioned earlier, uh Garcia, and I, I hate mentioning his name, but he was the next man up. He was the guy after the Hall of Famers. And Jeff Garcia did not play horrible in San Francisco. He put up some pretty decent numbers until, the, you know, the salary cap got to hell and whatnot in San Francisco, and they move on. And next thing you know, they have Ken Dorsey trying to start a quarterback in San Francisco. But there was a four-year window that Jeff Garcia played pretty good football, pretty good, pretty good numbers. Jordan Love does not have to be Aaron Rodgers for the Packers to be successful post Aaron Rodgers, nor does, if it's not Jordan Love, whoever the quarterback is after Aaron. They don't need to be Aaron Rodgers. They need to run the offense. It's about the pieces you put around them and running your scheme and running your system is what's going to keep you and help you be successful moving forward. Jordan Love, hopefully not the same, you know, viewpoints and opinions of Jeff Garcia, but Jordan Love can be a Jeff Garcia from the quarterback position and the Packers can be just fine. It's up to Guten Kuss, the GM to draft well, to sign free agents well, to bring, you know, Phil holes well, and I, He's shown he can do that. He brought Rasul Douglas in off a of practice squad of Arizona, and Rasul Douglas ended up you know, getting two pick sixes and missing at least two or three more by dropping interceptions. He brought in Campbell this year, and most people were done with him, thinking he was never going to be a viable option at middle linebacker. Campbell was a difference maker for this Packer team. Alexander, Jenkins, we've seen him draft well. He's got to do a little better in the middle rounds. But he needs to draft better um, as well. Um, But the Packers can be successful post Aaron Rodgers. The Packers aren't going to fall off a cliff because Aaron Rodgers isn't there anymore. If they they bring in the right people, 2022, if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, might be a rough patch. But the Packers have a lot more cap room in 2023 and 2024, which is going to – and then if they do trade Aaron Rodgers, they're going to get a crap ton of draft picks. They're going to eliminate almost $20 million off of that salary cap, and they're going to be able to start stacking the defense, which the defense played extremely well a lot this season. They're going to be able to stack that defense with personnel that can get after the quarterback and make things difficult. On the quarterback, and they're going to be able to get the pieces around whoever your quarterback is, likely, you know, Jordan Love at this point, because he's the next man up in the quarterback room to keep things at a consistent level. And the thing is, love him or hate him, Mark Murphy is not going to allow this team to be a consistent, right around 500 or worse team. He's just not. He's about the bottom line. He's about making money. He's about stuffing the coffers, the the bank accounts and whatnot for the Packers. That's that's what he's about. And if the if that bottom line starts dropping a little bit because people aren't buying apparel or the the attendance starts dipping, he is going to be very quick. And he's got five years left as team president, I believe it is, before he's forced to retire. So Murphy's not going to want this team in bad shape before he retires. He wants to go out on the same level as a Bob Harlan. And he'd probably love to win that second Super Bowl while he's the team president. Kind of like Rodgers would probably want to win the second Super Bowl with the Packers. So he's got that one more than the other guy. So so that that, that that's kind of my thought there. So the Packers, post Aaron Rodgers, are not going to just fall off the cliff. They're not. So with that, going to jump to the. Sorry, Siri wanted to chime in a little bit, I guess too. Um, but now the AFC Championship game. So you have. Um, so Tim, the, the I. I. I don't think they're going to. I think it's going to be a difficult twenty twenty two because they're going to have to make some extremely difficult decisions to get the cap where it needs to be in order to bring in potential experienced players. But I don't think it's going to be a fall off the cliff bad. It's not going to be a rebuild, especially if Rodgers is still around. Because at this point, we don't know where Rodgers is going to go. But as long as Aaron Rodgers is around, we've seen that the Packers are at least going to fight for a wild card at worst with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback. So I'm not going to say a rebuild. I think it's going to be more of a retooling. I remember back in two thousand eight, you know, they made the NFC Championship game in 20, 2007. Then in two thousand eight, it's Aaron Rodgers' first year starting, and things didn't go that well. They did went six and ten in his first year starting. Um, uh, Mike Sherman's final year in Green Bay. Ted Thompson's first year as general manager. Um. Ted, uh, Ted Thompson had to basically trim a lot of fat from that team because they got in salary cap hell. Um, so Sherman's last year, they didn't have the depth. They go with injuries. They go four and twelve. And then in two thousand, uh, to two thousand five, sorry, two thousand six to two thousand five season, they went four and twelve. And then two thousand six rolls around. They go eight and eight. And then two thousand seven. They're playing in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. So I'm not going to go rebuild. And I'm not necessarily going to say they're going to sign experienced players. I think it's going to be, regardless if Rodgers is there or not, kind of that transition year like we saw in 2008 and like we saw in 2005. It's kind of going to be that transition year where you you trim fat and then you start trying to add to it as well because one of the biggest issues the Packers are in salary cap hell isn't necessarily because of, um, poor contracts and poor decisions and things like that, which you typically see in what you saw in 2004, 2005, where they had to trim a lot of fat. That was because of poor decisions by Mike Sherman as general manager. As I always say, Mike Sherman, the general manager got Mike Sherman, the coach fired. Um, the issue you're going to see for this year is unfortunately because of COVID, there weren't there weren't fans allowed in 2020, um, or limited fans if there were any. So the NFL didn't bring in as much revenue. So the salary cap between last year and this year dropped. Next year, I think it's I think it's 208 million as a cap um if the cap would have been what it was supposed to be i think the packers would still be over the cap but it wouldn't be nearly as bad and it'd be much easier to move money around and you know move guys around in order to make it work but covid COVID's one of the biggest reasons why the packers are in the situation they're in the other reason is they moved a lot of the 2021 salaries into 2022 in order to be able to make the moves like bringing Randall Cobb, bringing Campbell, um, bringing Douglas midseason, bringing Jalen Smith midseason. They, they kicked a lot of money into 2022 to bring Preston Smith back, to Darius Smith, um, to try to make a big push this year into the Super Bowl. It, it didn't work out, to quote, last damn season. So now they're feeling the effects between – the cap dropping from last year um, and, you know, COVID and kicking all that money out. So it's going to be a down year. And then 2023, 2024, the television deal that the NFL just signed with uh, the different networks, that money kicks in. So they'll be able to uh, pay a hell of a lot of money in the next two to three years. 2022 is just going to be a little lean potentially because they just don't have the money. So NFC Championship game, 49ers and the Rams. The The Rams have, beat, have lost to the 49ers twice. I think the 49ers are going to win this game. And I, I want to see Matt Stafford win. I do. I, I like Matt Stafford. I liked him in Detroit, even though he was a lion. Um, but I think San Francisco is going to win. They're just hot right now. That defense is playing outstanding. The Rams had an injury at left tackle going into Tampa Bay, and I don't know if he's going to play or not. And I just think San Francisco is going to beat the Rams for the third time. And then in the AFC, and you know, and Tim, you brought up, um, you brought up uh, Burrow. I love, I, I love Burrow. I think he is a great quarterback. I was definitely wrong about Burrow. Uh, leading into the draft, I thought the fact that he played at LSU um, with Chase and with Jefferson at wide receiver inflated a lot of what he did, um, because he was throwing in the passing windows the size of the the Grand Canyon uh, with those two receivers. But he I, he proved me wrong. He he is a very talented quarterback. He is showing that he can withstand. Getting sacked nine times in one game to win a game doesn't happen very often. Um, when you get sa- I think it was the first time in NFL history that a quarterback got sacked nine times, and they still won. Um, he's poised, he's confident, and he's definitely going to be a great quarterback in the NFL for a very long time. And the Bengals made the right move, bringing Chase in for wide receiver rather than drafting an offensive lineman um, they made the right move bringing Chase in, um, because it now you get your quarterback comfortable because now you have a wide receiver he already has that connection with to get him even more help. So I like Bur. I think he's gonna. I think I think it's gonna be. I think it's too much too soon to beat Kansas City. I think Kansas City and Pat Mahomes is just too talented. Um, but. I think it's going to be Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl again. And I will say this. One of these predictions is wrong. I don't know which one, but one of these will be wrong. But I think it's going to be 49ers and it's going to be Kansas City in the Super Bowl. And I'll give that prediction on who's going to win when it happens or doesn't happen. So with that, I appreciate you all for watching. uh, podcast. A version of this audio version will be posted uh, shortly anywhere podcast or found. If you want to go back and listen, find me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. You can find me on Facebook too, talking sports with Evan. And I will be back with you next week, as I mentioned. I will be, uh, and I hope Bengals too, but I just think it's a little too soon. Um, but with that, I'll go a little bit more in depth and detail about what the Packers might do in order to try to. Maneuver the salary cap a little bit. So not getting into the coaching decisions now. Um, but maybe I'll, I guess I'll do that next week as more positions probably fill up with that said, thank you all for watching. And uh, again, thank you for Dakota Mitchell for this uh, logo in the the top corner, uh, talking sports with Evan Lowe, We did a great job on it. I'll get back at you all later. Have a good rest of your night and a safe and healthy weekend.